Hey, what's up? Hey man, thanks for coming over tonight. It's a great night for a campfire. The fireflies are out in force this summer. They're so surreal, like God's little flying organic LEDs. Yeah, that's the bullfrogs down at the creek. They're out in force tonight after the nice summer shower we had today. I'm telling you, my friend, it's going to be a good one. Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is episode 128, continuing in the Plain Revelation series, Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. The title, A Peak at the Other Side of Grace. The subtitle, When the Time on the Clock of God's Grace Runs Out. Starting in verse 15, the Apostle John writes, The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The twenty-four elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God the Almighty, who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, and to those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hail. Friend, we see here the sense of completion evokes the course of heaven. We see it's all wrapped up. It's all she wrote. It's all over but the crying. It's a done deal. It's as good as done. Friend, let's look at a peek at the other side of grace. It reminds us of God's rights. We need to remember that God has the right to exercise his almighty power and sovereignty. In verse 15, we see that God is sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants. He answers to no man for his actions, and his actions are always right and just. God has the right to judge this sinful world, and he also has the right to exercise his patience. He's sovereign. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 9, verses 22 through 23, God has every right to exercise his judgment and his power, but he also has the right to be very patient with those who are the objects of his judgment and fit only for destruction. He also has the right to pour out his riches of his glory upon those he prepared to be objects of his mercy, even upon us whom he selected, both from the Jews and the Gentiles. We're reminded as we look on the other side of grace, that God is all-powerful. J. Hampton Keithley writes, In his immutability, that means his unchanging nature, God has always possessed omnipotence, that means he's all-powerful, but he has not always exercised his absolute authority or power over the earth. Here at this point, he takes hold of it in the sense that he begins to exercise it absolutely. Dear friend, this is a sobering point. That means God's exercising absolute authority over the earth means the end of grace. That is a big point. The second thing is we look on the other side of grace, take a peek. We see God's plan. And friend, mark it down. He has a plan to punish the unrighteous, those who have rejected his grace through Jesus Christ. And he has a plan to reward the good works of saints. It says in verse 18, the time has come. We need to remember God is keeping score and he will reconcile man's personal bank account before he cashes out humanity. We see a play on words here. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The word translated angry here is the same word as wrath, only in the verb form. 
And so it points out the fact that, yeah, mankind has been angry and angry with God, but God's wrath is being poured out. It's come. God will respond in like kind. But God's plan to judge the dead, punishment for the lost who have rejected the advancements of God's grace, God's plan to give reward to the saints. That word reward means payment, wage, a reward for obedience to God's will. It says, your servants, the prophets, your saints, and those who reverence your name. Always remember, we will get to heaven by God's grace, but we will be rewarded based on our works. We are saved by grace and we're rewarded by works. If you don't believe that, just read the book of James. So good works, not the root, but the fruit of grace. We see God's plan to destroy, and that does not mean annihilation. It means to bring to an end, to bring to total defeat. We see, as we look behind on the other side of God's grace, we see God's patience. Friend, God is willing to put up with the stupid, wicked shenanigans of sinful man because he has the Ark of the Covenant in view. But the question I ask you, what Ark and Covenant is John referring to here? It's not the Old Testament Ark. It's not the Indiana Jones Ark. The Ark of the Covenant that John sees in heaven, and friend, it's there right now, is the Ark of the New Covenant Ministry. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, and the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Friend, this is the Ark of the Covenant that the Apostle John sees. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times, as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once, after this the judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Friend John Newton said that when we get to heaven, there will be three wonders. Wonder number one, the wonder of who is there. Wonder number two is who is not there. The third wonder is the fact that I'm there, the fact that you're there if you know Jesus. If you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can celebrate today in the midst of a disjunctive day, a disjunctive week, a sad discovery, a car that won't start. Whatever the grief or sadness that we carry today, we can celebrate. Why? Because there is coming a day, sooner than later, when humans will no longer rule this world. God's grace and long-suffering towards sin will end, and you and I, if you know Jesus, will be richly rewarded. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.